0: I like crafts. I like to knit, I like to sew, I like to bead, I like to crochet, but uh, for this Christmas project, for this Christmas time, I chose a project. I am knitting a sweater for myself. So I have chosen the yarn, I have chosen the pattern, and every time when my husband or my girls come and ask me what I'm making, I tell them, well, I'm making a sweater. There are different colors. And I have a pattern. And they, they say they know what I mean. But I'm pretty sure when I show them the pattern, it's very hard to know what exactly I'm making. So, I have this perfect idea in my mind, and I know what it will be like, but I'm pretty sure that they will know what I'm doing only when it's all done. But maybe for some of you, knitting is not the most exciting thing to do. So, let's try something else. Uh, at this time of the year, people are already thinking of Oscars. Let me move around. So, regardless of how much you are, uh, you, how much or how little you know about movie industry, I'm pretty sure we are all interested in which movie will be um, chosen for the best picture, or which actor will become um, the you know the best actor chooses uh, wins the nominee uh, nomination, or the best actress. So. I wonder if any of you, when you think about any type of competition or, in this case, the Oscars, if any of you ever think, hmm, I wonder who will be the best supporting actor? Or I wonder who will be the best supporting actress? That's usually not the categories we're interested in. But just for fun, let's see how well you know your Oscar trivia. Do you remember what movie got best motion picture of 2020? So talk to your neighbor, those of you at home, talk to the uh, families, or, okay, just Google it if you don't know. (laughs) Anybody? Oh, you found it? Yeah. What is it, Joe? Right, Parasite, a South Korean movie. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> um, I've never even heard of it. But who was the actor in the leading role? Who won that? Anybody? Sorry, I'm a teacher, I'm so used to asking questions and patiently waiting for the answer. Anybody? No, you don't know? Okay, well, there was Choking Phoenix in Joker. And the other nominees were Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, and Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. And the actress in the leading role was Renee Zellweger in Judy, and the other nominees were Cynthia River in Harriet. Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. Suarez Ronan in Little Women. And Charlize Theron in Bombshell. Now, of course, this is the question that you should all know the answer to. And that is, who won the actor in a supporting role? (laughs) Well, that was Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. right? Brad Pitt, best supporting actor. What's wrong with that? Um, But the other nominees were Al Pacino in Irishman, Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Joe Percy in The Irishman, and Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. Uh, Actress in a supporting role was Laura Dern in Marriage Story, and the other nominees were Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. And this year, they're still planning to have the Oscars. With all the pandemic and barely nothing being shown in the movies, uh, theaters, they're still planning to have the Oscars. And there are at least 25 actors and 25 actresses whom the judges will select for the nominations in the Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress category. Well, anyway, thank you for playing with me. <clears throat> I think that uh, best supporting... Sorry, I can't sit. I think best supporting actor or actress is a very difficult category. We've heard the names, right? Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins. How can they be best supporting actress, uh, actors? Oh, yeah, how can they be that? Um, but it's because they, uh, they're so gifted and they have the skills to be the best actors, to be the main characters. And I think that this category is so difficult because it requires a lot of humility and submission to the director, to the script, and to others playing with you. It also requires a willingness to fade in the background and let the other girl or the other guy shine. It's extremely hard because everyone wants to be the main character. Or think of Samwise Gamgee in uh, The Lord of the Rings. Do you think Frodo would have ever reached the fires of Mordor by himself? Or Harry in Harry Potter. We've been watching the um, the movies over Christmas uh, with my family and once again I was struck by how important Ron and Hermione were, how important they were to Harry. The role of the main character takes shape as supporting actors play the important part. And like the knitting pattern, I believe the Lord works in our lives in a similar way. just a few days ago, if you uh, followed the Christmas Eve liturgy, which was uh, wonderfully made, thank you so much, uh, the uh, worship arts teams for that. But in one of the movements, if you follow that, and if you're not, uh, let me tell you, we were asked to think about people who were so important in our lives, who brought light in the most darkest moments or the most difficult moments who brought light, who made a difference in our lives, who came and supported us. Of course, when we look back at our life and we can see that God is the main actor. And all of us are his supporting actors in the story of salvation. So when I think of supporting actors and I and think of the Bible, of course there are several that we can choose for this category who can easily win the nominations. But as we think about the Christmas story in particular, I want us to consider uh, a few of them. For all intents and purposes, the story of Christmas begins when the angel comes to Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist. But, in a way, that is only a deja vu. A similar thing happened a long, long time ago, and I'm talking about like three thousand years ago. Imagine Egypt, the people of the, the people of the Lord are oppressed and enslaved. they're making clay bricks. They're suffering from the abuse of the Egyptian slave masters, and they're crying out to the Lord for deliverance. And yet the last time the Lord spoke or was present in their midst was in the time of Joseph. And right now, it had been 400 years. Yes, we know that the people of God were supposed to spend 400 years in Egypt because God said to Abraham in uh, Genesis 15, 13 that that's what happened. And yet, for 400 years, they had been immigrants in Egypt. 400 years. Time of silence, time of waiting, time of slavery and anguish. And yet at the end of those 400 years, God is about to do a new thing. And to do that, he breaks into the ordinary life. He personally comes to meet the soon-to-be deliverer of God's people from slavery and the person who would take them to the promised land. He comes to meet his chosen one. In the place where he spends most of the time in the desert, on the mountaintop, Moses has a personal encounter with God and accepts the responsibility to be the deliverer, take the people from Egypt to the promised land. But lest the people ever forget who was the deliverer, God says in Exodus 194. You yourselves have seen that what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Yes, Moses was very important. He had a very important supporting role. But it was God who did the deliverance. And now, imagine 2,000 years ago. Roman occupied Israel. The people of God are once again oppressed. They don't need to make clay bricks, but they have to pay enormous taxes to Rome. They don't have Egyptian slave masters, they have tax collectors. Some of their own who make their life unbearable. They no longer need to worship the Lord away from Egypt somewhere in the desert. They can do it in a temple. But they have to do it under the watchful eye of the Roman soldiers. They do not possess the land. They do not have a king who is a descendant of David. They do not have independence. Last time, when God spoke to them, was about 400 years earlier when God spoke through prophet Malachi in chapter 3, verse 1, promising that salvation will come to Israel. Another 400 years, time of silence, time of waiting, time of oppression, And anguish. And yet again, after the 400 years, God is about to do a new thing. He again is about to break into the ordinary life of people he has chosen to be his supporting actors in the story of deliverance, in the story of Christmas. And this time it's not just one person, like in the case with Moses, but it's several. He breaks into the life of Zechariah and Mary. He speaks in dreams to Joseph. He sends an army of angels to proclaim the good news to the shepherds. His Holy Spirit guides Simeon and Anna, as we just heard, to prophesy about the salvation that has come to Israel. All of this so that no one would miss or overlook the birth of Jesus. He is sending the deliverer. He's sending the salvation personified. And he's using all kinds of supporting actors to do that. But for a minute, imagine Zachariah and Mary. I wonder if God chose these two people, Zechariah and Mary, as the two polar opposites in Israel to show to everyone that Christ is born, and Christ, who brings salvation, does it for everyone in Israel. Zechariah is an elder in the community. He is a member of a priestly class. That means he is is allowed to go inside the temple and very close to the Holy of Holies, which means he has a lot of respect and reverence. He has a lot of honor that bestowed upon him by the community. And now Mary, a young and inexperienced girl, a teenager. There's no honor that she herself can bring to the community, to the family. Her status comes either from her father or from her, uh, from her husband. We know very little about her family outside the fact that she's related to Elizabeth. And we already know that she is engaged to be married to Joseph. So now it is his responsibility to take care of her. And this is why he's the one who has to make a decision what to do with Mary now that he knows that is pregnant. She has absolutely no voice, no status in the community. Zechariah is wise, and Mary is enthusiastic. Zechariah is very realistic about life, and Mary is very hopeful and wide-open-eyed about the world. And yet, God interrupts both of their lives to encounter them personally. And they react to God's messengers in the way we would expect them. Zechariah, having lived a life and being very realistic about what may or may not happen, does not doubt that God is able to work miracles. He's just very realistic that God will probably not do it for him. After all, all of his prayers about a son have gone unanswered. Mary, young, inexperienced, believes that God can do anything, anything in her and through her. So she's eager to step up and do what God tells her to do. But in this Christmas story, I'm also drawn to the character of Joseph. A couple of months ago, I was writing a brief uh, commentary on Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, the passage that was read today. And as I was reading the first chapter of Matthew to get better situated in the text, I realize that the way Matthew presents Jesus' genealogy raises questions for a Jewish person who is reading this. At the very end of the genealogy, we read that Joseph is a direct descendant of King David. This is the whole point of the genealogy to show that Joseph is a legitimate heir to King David. And then we read that Mary was the mother of Jesus. There is some disconnect in this genealogy. Because we would expect the genealogy to end with Jesus as a direct descendant of King David. But Matthew doesn't do it. For a minute, he leaves this gap, making us wonder, what is going on? How could this be? And I wonder if Matthew does that so that we will have that wonder, that doubt, that um, thought of how could this be? How How could God allow this to happen? Only to help us realize that we don't need to figure that out. God knows what's going on. God has the whole pattern and he can take care of it. Because in the very next passage Matthew 18 through 25, we see how God solves that issue. He shows us, Matthew that is, that the only way for a son of God to become a descendant of David, is through legal adoption. God has has chosen Joseph to play a very important supporting role in the story of Christmas. He is to become and act until he dies as the legal father of Jesus. It's not enough for Joseph to accept Mary now that she's pregnant with the son of God, he is to acknowledge the child as his. This is why the angel tells Joseph to name the child and you are to name him, Emmanuel, Jesus. Naming the child traditionally rests with the father. Just think about Zechariah and Elizabeth. It was Zechariah who names the son John, and it is Joseph who names Jesus. It's also Joseph who continues to receive guidance from God uh, about how to take care and protect the new baby and Mary, first by going to Egypt and then coming back to Nazareth. What I find very uplifting and encouraging uh, about the role of Joseph, is that he is willing to become who God wants him to become as long as God needs him. We know very little about Joseph outside of this story. Luke tells us that on the eighth day, Joseph and Mary brought baby Jesus to the temple as it was uh, prescribed by the Lord, so that they could bring sacrifices for the newborn. And so that Jesus would be circumcised again as prescribed by the law on the eighth day. Traditionally, circumcision was done by the father. Things have changed and now there is a special person assigned for it. But in those days, it was the father's job. And Joseph was there to do it. And just as a side note, while Mary and Joseph are there, Simeon and Anna show up. I think there are also important supporting characters is the story, even though their, their presence there is so brief. Simeon is given a promise that he will not see death before he sees the salvation of Israel. And when he sees Jesus, he proclaims, now may your servant rest in peace because I have seen the salvation of Israel. Do you remember that he's looking at an eight day old baby? He's waited his whole life to see the salvation, and he actually doesn't get to experience that. He only sees a baby. A baby who hasn't done anything yet, who is not able to do anything yet, and yet he's ready to die because he has fulfilled his role. He's seen the salvation, and he's prophesied about it. The same with Anna. Anna doesn't even say anything. We know that she's there, and she is prophesying too. But the point is, these are people who are devout, who are righteous, and who are faithful to God in doing whatever God assigns them to do. Even if it means not to say a word, as in the case of Anna. We also know what uh, and how Mary felt when all of this was happening, Luke tells us. But I wonder about Joseph. I wonder what he thought and how he felt. I wonder, did he think, how can I be the father to the son of God? What does it mean to raise the Messiah? What an enormous responsibility. So I wonder, did he recite the Shema to Jesus? Did he talk about the law? When they sat at home, and when they walked along the road, when they lay down, and when they got up, as Deuteronomy 6 prescribes. And yet, I believe that his life of righteousness has prepared him to step in and be the best father he could be to Jesus. The only other time. Joseph is mentioned in the entire um, story of Jesus is 12 years later when he and Mary bring Jesus on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem so that they can all come to the temple because of a big festival. And then the next thing we know about them is that they lose Jesus. Not a very good thing. But yet, in Luke 2.52, we read, Jesus matured in wisdom and years, and in favor with God and with people. While Luke says nothing about the role Joseph played in all of that, I truly believe that it was his influence and his involvement in raising of Jesus that allowed him to grow in wisdom and favor with God and others. We know very little about Joseph, precious little. But I do believe his presence is significant in the development of the story and helps shine the spotlight on Jesus. Most of all, I wonder what it was like to know that this is the Messiah and yet not being able to see and experience the salvation yourself. And knowing all of that, still be content to do what God called him to do. Tradition says that Joseph died fairly early into Jesus' life. So he never got to see the teachings, the miracles, raising of the dead. And yet he was content to do what he was called to do. in this season as we celebrate the coming of the Messiah to dwell among us. And when we tell the story of deliverance and salvation, we do it because it is our story now. And we tell stories because every time we tell a story or we listen to a story, we associate ourselves with a particular character. That's why we love stories so much. That's why we tell stories to children. Because they always choose a character. And every time it may be a different character. And in this story, story of Christmas, we see so many people, so many supporting characters who are so important, and without whom the Christmas story would not happen. Or maybe it would happen, but it would be very different. The best supporting actor or best supporting actress takes so much humility and submission to accept the role that God prepared. And the same with us, to accept the role that God prepared for us. It requires willingness to submit to who God is and what he wants us to do. So now, thinking about the characters in the Christmas story, there is so much we can learn. I don't know where you are in your life right now and what character you can associate yourself with right now. But things we can learn are this. Moses teaches us how to intercede for others and not to get weary. How to step into the gap and remain there until God moves you on. Zechariah teaches us how to trust in spite of all odds. It may be a long time and you might have been praying for a long time, but do not lose heart. Mary teaches us how to be hopeful and optimistic, how to be excited about the new thing that God puts in front of us. We don't know what it will be. We don't know how it all will pan out. But it's a new thing that God is doing for us and calling us to do. So we need to be optimistic and hopeful about it. Simeon and Anna teach us how to hold on to the promise, how to remain faithful how to stay dedicated in prayer and fasting. And Joseph, as you know by now, Joseph is my favorite character in the story, but he teaches us how to obey the challenges that God sends into our lives and how to be content with the role God assigns us to play. We do not need to be the main characters. We can't be the main characters. But we are assigned a very important role to play. So as I worked on my knitting project and followed the pattern, the sweater takes shape more and more. In the meantime, it takes time, dedication, and lots of patience. We live in unprecedented times right now. We really have very little idea of what our future will be like. But take heart. God's salvation has come to dwell among us. God is still in the business of delivering people. He knows the future. He knows the pattern. But what does it mean for us to walk in faith? And as we consider our roles and our part in the story of God's relationship with his people, I would like us to think about the following questions. So talk to your neighbor about this or those who are at home to your families. What does it take or what will it take for you to embrace the role as a supporting actor in God's story? In this time of Christmas, the time of a new beginning, what is the Lord preparing you for? And how can you partner with God this time, during this time of preparation? Amen.